This podcast is part of the Planet Broadcasting Network. Visit planetbroadcasting.com for more podcasts from our great mates. The following episode of TOEFOP is rated M.A. It may contain Batman references, time travel references, sexual references, lost trains of thought, and mild coarse language. TOEFOP advises that the program is not suitable for anyone under the age of 15 or anyone who enjoys succinct, coherent conversation that might actually have a point. Minors must be accompanied by a parent, guardian or priest. This is John Deke speaking. Everyone relax, this is Tofop, I'm Charlie Clawson. I'm Will Anderson, hello. Hi. Hi Charlie. This is uh, a new thing for us. To be in the same room, that's pretty new. Yeah. We've had a couple in no. a row where we've been in the same room, which is nice. But we're in a, this is uh, like um, a neutral ground. It's neither your place nor my place, we are in neutral ground. We have met on neutral ground? Yes. Is that like in, we're in mediation? Yeah. Well, have you like, brought your lawyer or something? Are we like a divorced couple that have had to find some like place where we won't... Is this like breaking up with someone in a restaurant? <laughs> like they won't make a scene? Yeah. No, I think from now on we should only do the show with counsel present. Right. <laughs> like, Legal counsel or yeah. counsellors to unpick what we talk about. Before we get onto a topic, just have a lawyer just lean across and say, I wouldn't talk about that. Or the local counsel. Yeah. <laughs> just telling us how many bylaws we're breaking by doing this. No, we are in a, um, you can tell because this, well, people listening won't be able to tell, but hopefully some people will be watching this. We are experimenting finally in 2019 with video podcasting. So video, uh, so vodcasting. Vodcasting. <laughs> Is it still called vodcasting? No, I don't think it ever was. I think it was for like a second until somebody was like, you it know sounds what? like a 2013 word. Yeah. Well, because also with vlogging. we've talked about this before, which is the idea that if, if you had your time over, you wouldn't call podcasts podcasts because it makes them sound dinky. Yeah. Like even, you know, Mark Maron, all these people that have like the biggest, we essentially have these shows that are just big shows yeah. in the world. But the minute they go, podcast. I have a podcast, you go, yeah, still pretend radio. Yeah. 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 Still not a real radio show, <laughs> is it? Your little podcast. You, well, so what would you say is more of a generic is um, I work in media. I mean, yeah, but that's too generic. Yeah. Because yeah. there's so much media. I'm a broadcaster? Because people are going to ask more questions. And if Okay, so let's play this out then. Okay. Um, uh, what do you do? I'm a podcaster. Oh, no, you've got to oh. go broader than that. <laughs> okay. okay. You ever played an improv game? <laughs> no, clearly not. All right, start again. <laughs> I didn't like, know. Right, it's like a- when Homer Simpson needed to go on the witness relocation <laughs> program. On this. I'm going to call you Mr. Thompson and stamp on your foot. All right, so you you don't want to reveal that I'm a podcaster. A okay, podcaster. so you, I've got to. All right, give so you what, a, what's, what's your so this is like a theater sports game yeah. where I'm not allowed to state what my actual occupation yeah, is. Yeah, exactly. Okay, all right. Yeah, this is a theater sports game. Okay, called, pretend your thing is cooler than what it is. Okay, so um, so uh, what do you do? Uh, I have a show. Oh, you have a show? Yeah, oh, yeah. Oh, great! Like a live show or a radio show, a TV show? Uh it's a uh, it's a podcast. <laughs> I didn't know. I got started sweating. You're real bad yeah. at this. No, it's hard. I hope that you never have to like cover for me if I have to hide a body or something because you will roll over. Do you over. know where that person went? 
Well, no. I will kill them. Uh, no, no. I, uh, what would you say? Right, let me turn the tables on you. All right. <laughs> okay. Um, okay. Uh, so, uh, what's this? Uh, what's this toe flop thing you do? It's a. It's a. Basically, it's a radio show. What do you mean, basically a radio show? Well, have you heard a radio show before? Yes. Yeah. Well, it's like that. So, what station are you on? Oh no, it's not on the station. It's on the internet. It's so it's an internet worldwide. It's, it's an a, internet radio show. It's a worldwide internet radio show. So what part? I'm sorry, I'm confused. Yeah. What part of it's radio? Well, they talk into microphones and they record it. So it's like a radio show. I said I didn't say it was a radio show. I think you'll distinctly find that I said it's like a radio. Show. No, I said is it like an internet radio show? And you yeah. said yes. It's like an internet radio show. Yes. So what what happens on it? Well, it's just essentially a comedy conversation. <laughs> 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 And so how would I listen to it? On the internet. You can listen to it anywhere. This is the great appeal of it. This is why it's better than regular radio, is that wherever you are in the world, you can listen to our show. Right. It's worldwide. Right, okay. And so there's lots of these. So is this that thing that Mark Maron does and Joe Rogan? And, yeah. Okay. It's very much like Mark Maron What are they called again? It's, um, there's a name radio. for it. No, no, no. There's another name for radio? it. Radio? No. No, I'm thinking of uh, a very spe- <laughs> specific name. You're better at this game than I am. <laughs> I mean, when look, you have a lot of occupations. Yes. And so, how do you ever get to the point of podcaster? Like, if you've been interviewed or something, does and it, does that get? Do people get to that part when they're like, well, Anderson, comedian, radio, TV? Does podcasting ever? Yeah, get no, a it does. Right. Not this podcast. But <laughs> some of my other more successful podcasts. The ones that get featured in the New York Times. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> Comes up. Um, Oh, I mean, like, that is a little bit like, <laughs> I mean, that is a little bit like, I don't know, uh, uh, like Adam Sandler. That's like Adam Sandler and his crew, David Spade, Kevin James, whatever, you know, making all their films together. And then one of them, uh, you know, goes off and works with Martin Scorsese. Yeah. It's like, wait a minute, aren't we all just doing dumb shit where we get to hang out and have fun? What are you off getting like credible for? Um, I, on my like social media, only mentioned the podcast. I didn't ever mention the television or the radio or any of those sort of things. I'm sure your employees and employers are wrapped about that. Well, it's not part of my contract with them, but isn't I, it? No, but it, there must be some promotional requirements. No, none at Is all. Is that something that you specifically carved out? Hmm, I don't know. Maybe. It's but just yeah, never I have been no a... promotional requirements. Is I, that right? I believe. Yeah. You know what? I'm actually starting to think. If I've ever had promotional requirements, if I've just done it because I've assumed that's part of my job. You have a requirement. Yeah. Because I will, like every time I've done a TV show or whatever, I will promote it when it's going on air and stuff. But I've just assumed that I had to. (laughs) I've never read my contract. (laughs) I mean, maybe I don't have to. Well, no. I mean, well, I don't have to. Well, they have publicity departments. But I, yeah, I promote the podcast because we don't have a publicity department. Yeah. I feel like, you know. It's important for people to know about the podcast. But I do wish they were called something other than podcast. I mean, could we come up with a cooler name now? Like Lightning Chat. <laughs> well, turns out that we can't come up with a cooler name. Is the answer to that? Lightning Chat. How do you what what do you go what's your show? Oh, it's a lightning chat. <laughs> like you talk you know? about Lightning the, the weather. concept of lightning? Yeah. Or like- lightning chat sounds like a terrible podcast, I'll be honest with you. <laughs> Hey, uh, this is Will, this is Charlie. Welcome back to Lightning Chat. <laughs> so, Charlie, did you see the lightning this week? Nah. Me neither. Anyway, <laughs> short episode this week. But <laughs> maybe we could just look back on our favourite bits of lightning from previous what's the, Have you, a uh, serious question, mm, okay. have you ever seen light? What's the closest? Have I ever seen lightning? No, closest to lightning. Have you seen it? You lived in the country. Did you ever yeah. see it strike a tree or a cow or something? Yes. 
Really? Yes. You sure it hit a cow? No. Oh. You said a tree or a cow. I know. And I answered your question that you had. In the correct there. order. Never saw it hit a cow, but I have seen you know, lightning stri- stri- strike a tree. Yeah. Was that awesome? I mean, it's pretty cool. Yeah. Like, you know what? Now that you seem so excited about lightning, I feel like what we've stumbled upon is the fact that I think I did see lightning all the time and I've become blasé to the idea of lightning. Well, I imagine growing up on a farm, like when a storm rolls in, you'd have yeah. a good view of like all that you kind do. of stuff. And yeah. there's a lot of like tall trees and like the things that sort of get struck. So yes, I grew up surrounded by lightning and have never really appreciated there's a kid how pri- privileged I was. <laughs> there was a kid at primary school when I was in like, I think grade one or grade two, Sam Ganji, who told me that he almost got struck by lightning, but he ran out of the way and it didn't hit him. And I... Totally believed him. <laughs> he said he's out in the park kicking the footy and lightning tried to strike him, but he ran and it just missed him. And I was oh, like, man. oh my God. Faster and then part of me was jealous. It was like, I wish lightning would try and strike me so I could get out of the way and have a cool story to tell. <laughs> you know, uh, Charlie's dead. <laughs> he went out in that He took a thing sheet of corrugated iron, stood under the tallest tree in the park. <laughs> Climbed a tree with an umbrella and a golf club. He's dead now. <laughs> that was the same kid. Oh, no, it wasn't him. It was Adam Bowman who told me his uncle was Hulk Hogan and I believed him. I was a very gullible child. <laughs> Even though his name was Bowman. Bowman. And, and Hulk Hogan's name is But Bowman, he was very blonde and very tanned. Uh-huh. And I think in my eight-year-old <laughs> well, mind. You know the thing that really passes down through DNA is tan. Tan. <laughs> but he told me that his uncle was Hulk Hogan. He'd just come back from America and yeah. he'd seen his uncle Hulk Hogan. And I was like, I think... I, mean, I guess it's like Santa Claus. It's stuff you want to believe in. Like to me, the idea of knowing a kid, knowing that I could be that close to Hulk Hogan just meant the world to me. I like the idea that this kid didn't make it up, but his parents, Santa Claus or Tooth Fairy style, have made it up. Like, I told so, him that you're... So they're telling him that he's... Like, you know, in the same way as like Tooth Fairy and Santa Claus exist to get your kids to yeah. do things and the boogie monster and stuff like that, that they just made up the fact that his uncle was Hulk Hogan. Is that any more harmful than telling a kid that Santa Claus exists? Like if I, if, I mean, we need a I mean, Hulk equipment. Hogan actually exists. Yeah. So, but, but if you said to a kid, your auntie's Lady Gaga, and if you're a good, if you're good, Lady Gaga yeah. will send you a present for your birthday. And then you write a note like you would from the Tooth Fairy. Yeah. Here's a present from Lady Gaga. Like is that, or even if it's like in your family, Lady Gaga takes the teeth. Yeah. So, so you gotta leave your teeth out for Lady, Lady Gaga. Gaga to collect. You just leave like little bits of meat in the bedroom because she came here in a yeah, meat dress and she yeah. took your teeth. You leave your meat out for Lady Gaga. But oh, you've lost your favorite final baby tooth. Last visit from Lady Gaga. Is that, any, is that any more unethical than telling your kid about Santa Claus the Easter Bunny? No. I mean, only that you're involving Lady Gaga. So at Gaga's end, she might have an issue with the fact Don't that Don't tell telling, your kid that I'm yeah. taking its teeth at yeah. night. <laughs> but no, I, otherwise, no, no more harmful, I would have thought. I mean, I guess the only thing is, like, say, say, for example, you substitute the Santa Claus role for the... You're not religious, right? Yeah. But you still want to yeah, con your kids into you know, doing stuff. Because that's what Santa's all about, right? Be good or Santa won't come, right? So yeah. you don't, you don't want to... Is that really what Santa's about? Like yeah. idle threats? <laughs> Be good or you won't get this? Santa, Isn't it more about allowing your child to enjoy the magic of Christmas? No, dear God, no. Santa is a year-long, long threat <laughs> to make sure that your kids behave. Well, that's true because in my family, and I don't, I've never even... Look, what we're learning in today's episode is I'm very gullible. 
because I have older, old, so many older brothers and sisters. There was a story that went around my family that my older brother Matthew was so naughty one year that all he got in his stocking was a wooden spoon. And I believed it. I was like, shit, got to be on your best behavior because yeah. Santa Claus or Lady Gaga, <laughs> depending on what you believe, will bring you a wooden spoon. But I don't know if that actually happened or not or if my parents and or siblings just said, let's make sure Charlie toes the line. Right. Because it worked. It's a purely toe the line exercise, the threat of Santa. And so say you're in a family, you're like, well, this is bullshit. I'm not going to put my kids through this. I'm not going to lie to them for the first 11 years of their life uh, in that way. But I am going to lie to them and tell them that their uncle is Hulk Hogan. Yeah. The only downside is that Santa probably is never going to disappoint you by getting involved in a sex tape or a racial (laughs) Racially charged. (laughs) Sorry, Christmas has been cancelled. Santa used the N-word. Yeah. Your uncle's Harvey Weinstein. Yeah. Turns out Santa's been referring to the elves as midgets, and uh, that's problematic. So we've had to cancel Christmas. Oh my God. We've cancelled Santa. You're right. Santa could get cancelled. Yeah. Because we're cancelling real life celebrities. How yeah. long before we start cancelling, like, the Easter Bunny? Well, and... we should cancel Santa, right? It's animal abuse. He's yeah. Like, he's got slave labour. Slave labour with the elves, making toys. Yeah. It's a patriarchy. The way he runs that workshop. Right, What's Mrs. Claus doing? When Mrs. Claus, when, when's Mrs. Claus get to deliver the bloody exactly. presents? And you know what the thing is? What does Mrs. Claus do? If it's just the two of them, yeah, you can Google Mrs. Claus. <laughs> now, if it's just the two of them, here's yeah. what I will speculate, right? Yeah. Then that's an even partnership. Like when I was growing up on the farm. Here we go, looking at lightning like a spoilt kid. Really early on, um, one of the things that my mum explained to me was that they were both farmers. Dad might have gone out and like, you know, collected the cows more, but they ran the farm together, you know? Like part of running the farm is doing the bookkeeping and part of running the farm is, you know, arranging the things that are all part of being a farmer. Yeah. So I would speculate that Mrs. Claus, equally important to the whole Christmas enterprise as Santa is, right? They're a team. They're the only two humans on the North Pole with a whole bunch of elves. So the fact that he gets all the glory and she gets none of the glory, I think is completely unfair. Yeah, how is she kind of framed in popular culture, Mrs. Claus? is She's just like the supportive wife, right? I think Mrs. Claus only exists in popular culture so that people don't think Santa's fucking the reindeers. Ah, it's a bit like Like it's 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 Aunt Harriet and Batman and Robin. Yeah, we need to get a woman in there, otherwise it's a sausage party. There's some, and you know what? Just Santa and the elves fucking the reindeers, like in the snow. Because I assume all the elves are men as well. I don't know. But like a bunch of dudes up in the Arctic Circle, you know, they're going a bit stir crazy. I mean, you put guys anywhere for too long a period of time right. and weird shit happens. So you're right. They need to balance it out yeah. with a bit what of What you like, need is one woman. One. <laughs> yeah, that, that'll <laughs> fix everything. She's the uh, lady Smurf. Or was it she Smurf? Yeah, uh, Smurfette. Smurfette. All right, here we go. Mrs. Claus. Mrs. Claus, also known as... Mrs. Santa Claus. Oh, yeah. Oh, jeez. Oh, doesn't again. even get her own. <laughs> no. She doesn't even have her own first name. Is the wife of Santa, a Chris- the Christmas gift bringer in American and European Christian tradition. She's known for making cookies with elves, caring for the reindeer, and preparing toys with her husband. I mean, what okay, kind of life a, is like that? She's a partner in the business, though. Making, she's making cookies. cookies for the elves. She's. I would his- argue, though, that she's, she's doing all she, she's on. She, Every job she has is an elves job. Like she doesn't, there's nothing about like uh, strategy or coordinating, you know, uh, she's not a COO or anything like that. She's basically in the trenches with the elves. Why don't you have a more senior position? She's the CEO. She's the chief elf officer. (laughs) Okay. 
The wife of Santa Claus is first mentioned in the short story A Christmas Legend by James Reese, the Philadelphia-based Christian missionary. Oh, yeah. So I think he was the first guy to look at this so Santa needs sausage a wife. party. Santa <laughs> needs a wife. In the story, an old man and woman, both carrying a bundle on their back, are given shelter in a home on Christmas Eve as weary travellers. The next morning, the children of the house find an abundance of gifts for them, and the couple is revealed to be not old Santa Claus and his wife, but the host's long-lost elder daughter and a husband in disguise. Why is this relevant? Mrs. Santa Claus is mentioned by name in the pages of Yale Literary Magazine in 1851, where the student author, whose name is only given as A.B., original... (laughs) Do you think it is? No. Uh, you're you're going to trials and damn. Briggs went back in time and wrote Alan this. Alan Border? Could it be Alan Border, the <laughs> yeah. former Australian cricket captain? She also wrote of the appearance of Santa Claus at a Christmas party, and this is a quote. Inbounded that jolly, fat, and funny old elf, Santa Claus. <laughs> Hang on, is he an elf? Yeah, well, that's what it says is here. It, so, Santa, Santa Claus is like an a elf. giant elf, is he? How did that happen? No. Is that, that is not I an elf. I always assumed Santa was like a human. A god. He's not a human. A god? Santa's a god. Santa's a god. Well, he must be. He's immortal. He's lived for centuries and flies around the world in a Just matter of seconds. Just never really thought about the fact that Santa was a god. Santa is a god. Okay. My god is Santa Claus. <laughs> uh, this is a continuing the quote. His array was indescribably fantastic. He seemed to have done his best, and we should think, had Mrs. Santa Claus to help him. An, ac- uh, an account of Christmas musical at the State Lunatic Asylum an account of a Christmas musical at the State Lunatic Asylum in Attica, New York in 1854 included an appearance by Mrs. Santa Claus with a baby in her arms who danced to a holiday song. This Hang is, on, her baby? I guess so. Have, there's have a Santa, Santa baby. So there's a Santa baby? I guess so. This is another Adam Sandler film, isn't it? Santa baby. Santa baby. Santa, nanny Santa. Well, is... Nanny, what, nanny Claus. What's Will Ferrell in Elf? In elf? He's, he's, he's a, a hu- giant elf. Isn't no, no, he's a human... Who half human, got half taken elf? to North? No, no. Oh, no. He is a human. I think Santa. Did Santa kill his parents or something at the start of Elf? There's some reason where he gets taken from the human world up to the North Pole and he's raised by elves. Oh no, he sneaks into Santa's sack yeah. as a baby. Santa doesn't realize he arrives back at the North Pole and then the elves raise him as one of their own. They, they don't think about returning him. No, that's an interesting point. Why don't so, they just well, take him? I guess him our back? only solution is to raise him as one of our own. A passing reference to Mrs. Santa Claus was made in an essay in Harper's Magazine in 1862, uh, The Metropolites in 1864, and blah, 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 blah. A woman who may or may not be Mrs. Santa Claus appeared in the children's book Lil and Santa Claus Land and Other Stories by Ellis Town. This is the quote. There was a lady sitting by a golden desk writing in a large book, and Santa Claus was looking through a great landscape, and every once in a while he stopped and put his ear to a large speaking tube. Presently he said to the lady, Put down a good mark for Sarah Buttermilk. I see she's trying to conquer her quick temper. (laughs) Two bag ones here for Isaac Clappentongue. He'll drive his mother to an insane asylum yet next. All right, so let's take a second. These names. Sarah Buttermilk. And Isaac Clappertung. <laughs> Clearly made up names. I think Santa's doing some very dodgy accounting. Yeah, that's, uh, that's like uh, uh, the guy from uh, Usual Suspects. You know how he looks around the room. He's like, oh, my name's Isaac uh, Clappertung. Yeah, that's, that's my name. Uh, Sarah. Charlie Computer Desk. <laughs> uh. Okay. Where are we? In popular- okay, this is, again goes to my theory that it's purely about threatening the children because that is classic Santa- this kid's been good, points for them. This kid's been bad, yeah, points off for them. Yeah, but do you think that 
that is the myth or that is the idea, but most parents, I imagine, like that threat of not giving your child a present or you've been a bad kid, there's no Christmas for you, would never be enacted, right? No, but the threat is what's important. The kids have to believe that the threat is real. So you need, is it like, is it like that thing where you kill one, save hundred? <laughs> so yeah. it's like one kid doesn't get presents in Christmas to teach the rest of them a lesson. Well, it's like in your family. Yeah, my brother. Your brother. Kill one, spoon, teach a hundred. One year, just so that that can become the legend of your family. I to love teach everybody else. That my parents would have had to have a discussion to go. Well, we have to. We, we have, have to punish to one it. of them to teach a lesson to the rest. He otherwise, doesn't, doesn't otherwise, really there's nine it. of them. There's two of yeah. us. They'll they'll run, they'll overrun us. We have but to. We've done the numbers. The only thing that can keep us in control. This situation is Santa, so we've got to lean in hard to Santa. So, how did they pick which sibling? How do you pick which kid well, is going to get punished? Where's he in the uh, third eldest? Okay, well there you go. So, like, because the first two, you don't need to set that example because you don't know that you're going to be overrun with children, right? You know, but that's about the third one is like I, that's about uh, right. That makes sense because if you've got two. You can handle that because it's two of you, but yeah. now suddenly you're in the minority. Yeah, so he's, the the third one who, one. he's the one who outnumbered you. Yeah. So you've got to teach him a lesson. They always looked at him with resentment, just like, now, now, I, now you actually technically have the numbers to roll us. But, you, uh, but that's only. When he was born, they whispered to each other, one day he will defeat us. Yeah. I think you've got to wait, though. You've got to wait until you have more siblings after him or to make sure that. The lessons being taught. It's no use to punish him straight away when you're not, not well, teaching the lesson to the rest. Well, I didn't happen when he was zero. No, but right? I'm thinking like eight. So yeah. there would be by then so he probably had three siblings under him by yeah. then. So that that's like a yeah. One one kid gets a bad Christmas. Six learn a lesson. Yeah, one lesson. That's good parenting. And I think there was also a story in my family. I don't know if this is true or not. I mean, there's a lot of stuff I should fact check. <laughs> Where my sister got up early on Christmas morning went to all the sacks that had presents in them and cherry-picked from everyone's sack <laughs> what she wanted, put them into hers and blood, just put the other ones back. Made her own assessments and, of who'd been good or bad. Yeah, and so then when mum and dad got up and saw everyone in the present, they knew that what she'd done, but they couldn't say because they're not meant to know because Santa dropped the presents off. So my sister had gamed the system perfectly, got all the presents she wanted, knowing that she, my parents couldn't say anything. I mean, that is, that is, how old was she when this happened? No, I don't know. I don't know. Probably. Because that's clever. Yeah. Probably about 10, 10 on 10. Now, when do you stop believing in Santa? Eight. Eight. Or maybe, you know what? In a big family with lots of young siblings, yeah. you've got to keep pretending that you believe in Santa for the sake of the younger siblings. So she could have done it like well into her, she could have been like 15 or something. Did one of them tell you about Santa? Uh, being real or not being real? Yeah. Where did you find that out? I remember... Because I imagine if you have older siblings, that, that, that's where you would find it out. But is that not... Or was it a school thing? No, or? I think it was someone at school mentioned it to me. And I remember because there were kids very early on in prep who were like, Santa Claus doesn't exist. And I was like, you idiots. You idiots. He relies on you believing in him. That's how you get the presents. Why are you voluntarily talking yourself out of Santa gifts? Like, no, man, you don't ever lose a faith. And then I think... I got to a point, probably about eight, where I started to suspect, wait a minute, this doesn't make any sense. I just, if you went into my bedroom as a kid, it was just like red string up everywhere. It's like, I had like my map of the world, North Pole. Like, I'm getting here. presents and I've been terrible. Yeah, this doesn't make any sense. But I remember I asked my mum and I went to her. It was re- I, it was the, it was, 
the, I had the weight of the world on my shoulders. Like, I just didn't want to believe this was real. Like, is Santa Claus actually doesn't exist? And I went to her expecting to be let down gently. But she was like, no, no, absolutely doesn't exist. We made it up. It's just your father and I. And she was, because from her point of view, like, thank God, no more having to stay up till 5 a.m. putting toys together, no more having to drink, eat shitty sandwiches that they've left out and, you know. Blah, and no blah, blah. more not getting credit for all the cool shit that yeah. you do your kids. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like you have to you know, work out what your kid's into, make a list of it, go and buy it, and then, and then pretend that you it. didn't do it. Some imaginary person from the North Pole gets all the credit for it. No yeah. way. Um, I think that that's one of those situations where I remember my parents, because I'm the eldest, I remember them having the discussion with me, going, look. How old were you? 16? <laughs> bringing me into their confidence. It's like, you know, yeah. look, you're 16, mate. There's something you got to know. <laughs> Santa is not real. I've got my fingers in my ears. <laughs> la, 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 la. Um, no, I reckon I was about 11. I well, my mum walked it back, though. Because I, I think I got so upset and she wasn't quite prepared by how upset I got. And so she tried to walk it back because I was like, I, I didn't want to accept that Santa Claus didn't exist. So she tried to walk it back. And her solution was, she said, well, if you really believe in Santa, she's gone tonight, like Christmas Eve, you look up into the sky and you'll see him. You'll see him, you know, riding his sleigh across the sky, knowing full well that I wouldn't. But I think that was her way of putting responsibility back on me. So if I didn't see Santa that night, that's not her fault. <laughs> I didn't believe hard enough. <laughs> so much of parenting seems to be just like lying to your children to manipulate them into sort of doing Yeah, things. I think I've told this story before where my mum told me that burnt toast was chocolate <laughs> to make so I'd eat it. What? <laughs> like <clears throat> she burnt the toast yes. and she couldn't be bothered making me new toast and I didn't want to eat it because it was burnt. And she told me it's not burnt, it's chocolate. And I was like, oh, okay, great. I'll eat it then. <laughs> Willingly gave her son carcinogens. I ingested carcinogens so she didn't have to put on two fresh pieces of toast. Well, I mean, it's so labor intensive in this day and age yeah. to make toast. I can understand how she just wouldn't have had to go through that laborious process again. Yeah, no, that, that, that's a lot of lies that I got told. Okay, I mean, I was raised Catholic. I was told lies my entire life as a child. So she says that it's chocolate. Yeah. Are you aware though when you're eating and that it's not chocolate or are you so full, you have so much belief in her, the fact that she says that it's chocolate yeah. means that you just decide it is chocolate and it tastes like yeah, chocolate. Yeah, it's the Santa Claus thing. Yeah. <laughs> if you want to believe in it, it's true. So I wanted it to, I wanted to believe it was chocolate. I, well, I guess it's like when you got hypnotized, you described it as being like, it just seems like a good suggestion. You know kind of it's not true. But it just feels like a good idea. I just was more willing to believe I was eating chocolate toast than my mum would just give me burnt toast. Are you toast. suggesting that your mum was hypnotising you? <laughs> would you no. come up behind you and click your fingers and you just fall asleep? I think it's more the power of suggestion. Mm. I, w I think children are very suggestible. And I think she's like, it's much easier to manipulate this kid than make more toast. How much of an effect do you think that it has that we are lied to as children? Like that our so many of our sort of key things that we believe in when we're growing up turn out to be complete uh, lies. Is that like... Like what? Well, like your tooth fairy or like your Santa Claus and these sort of things that are such 
you know, bastions of being young. Your sort of pinnacle moments of being young revolve around things like the Easter Bunny and, and the Tooth Fairy and, yeah. the, and Santa Claus, right? Yeah. Exciting things when you're growing up and none of them are real. And even the sort of the boogeyman and those sort of things. We are surrounded by these just outright lies. That, <laughs> like, you know, essentially our society is we've agreed on a set of lies that we will all tell our children for the first 10 to 12 I years I would of their love life. to do like a remake of Network and the last scene is just like an eight-year-old just saying like, I want you to lift up your windows and yell out to the streets, I'm a mad as hell and I'm not going to take it anymore. None of this stuff is true. <laughs> like, a- Well, no wonder we're so susceptible to this world of fake news. Oh, the come first on. 10 to 12 years of our life are based on fake news. That's ridiculous. We train our brains to be susceptible to you believing things that sound too good to be true. I think it's more about creating a world. That's why we're so susceptible to advertising is that our brains are conditioned from a very young age to believe so, impossible. But what deals. would you? So you're saying kids should just be delivered the truth at all times. <laughs> yeah. Where's our dog? It got hit by a car. Yeah. Its brain exploded. Its brain exploded. That's the circle Dead. of life. Yeah. You'll die one day too. <laughs> Look, life is arbitrary. Uh, we're on a giant rock hurtling through space. Nice. We could die at any time. It's all a random... There's you no. Could, you could already be dead and we could be, to be honest, in a simulation right now. Yeah, listen, the curse of existence is that we're aware of our own existence. Yeah. <laughs> What's that? Deal with that. What happens when we die? Oh, no one really knows. <laughs> no one. I mean, people will tell you a million different things, but none of us actually know. Life what we do know is we'll be put in the ground and we'll be eaten by worms. Definitely. Nah. Or burnt. Have Your good, body will be burnt. Good anyway, night. Do you want me to leave the nightlight on? Good night. Love you to the moon and back too. Well, I, I do wonder about that. Like, like, I assume there are cultures where they don't raise their children with these same myths. But Okay, but you show your kids, you'll show kids movies and stuff like that, and that is, they're all lies. They're not true. Like, isn't isn't it a case? I'm only going to show my children documentaries. documentaries? <laughs> the heaviest or documentaries, at least at the very least, based on a true story. <laughs> yeah, uh, and then I'll sit down with my kids at the end and go, "Look, some of this timeline is actually messed up." You know, Freddie Mercury didn't know he had AIDS. Then they've really messed with the timeline <laughs> for this movie. To be honest, what? Queen, no. Queen hadn't broken up. What, what's they AIDS? were just on a break, but they had been doing some gigs together. They've really what's AIDS? Um, okay, well, okay. that's another question. Well, Used to kill people all the time. Not as much these days. You can live with it. It's actually a manageable yeah. disease now. Yeah. Anyway, do you want me to leave the nightlight on? Nightlight on? <laughs> Again? <laughs> hey, you know what? We'll watch Philadelphia. It's, it's, technically, it's not a documentary, but you're three. feel like it's time you watch the movie Philadelphia. Could you raise a child? Like, if, if the fear is that we're going to live in a post-truth world with yeah. deep fakes and stuff, could you... You know how, like... There's always those films where it's like some father took his daughter into the woods and raised her, you know, away from society, a survivalist or whatever, you know. If you take a child away and raise them in the woods, but only with truth, like no fiction, like you say, everything that they consume is just facts, history yeah. and facts. Always 100% the truth. No, no, no imagination. They, you underdevelop their imagination. They, they, no, they, no, no the, the point isn't that you underdevelop their imagination, but you clearly label it as being imagination. So at any time when something's being an imaginary, you know that what it is is imaginary. You don't pretend that it is true. Right. But do you allow them to use their imagination? Yeah. I'm, I'm thinking, no, no. Uh, I'm thinking, like, this is some kind of Russian, you know, program where they, you know, like Scarlet, uh, like yeah, the... Uh, yeah, but I, no, I understand what you're saying is that, like... Uh, it, the I, Black Widow. You know how they take the ballerinas and they teach them how to fire guns and stuff. <laughs> 
Yeah. But you take a child from an early age. Raise them only uh, with uh, truth. With truth. Yeah. And so, like, things like unicorns and, and no, Santa Claus doesn't no. exist. It's all facts-based. Correct. Right. But I'm saying... Santa Claus is not real. Unicorns aren't real. What's the real. application for this weapon? That you're training. Well, I think that I'm raising my John Connor who's going to... Because the idea that, you know, you had to raise John Connor to fight Terminators is probably a little unrealistic. But the idea that <laughs> we need somebody in this world who can see through the fake news fake and news. deep fakes and these sort of things. So I'm trying to raise someone who has a commitment to actually finding and so the it, truth in every situation. And you want to keep the purity of that. Yeah. So that person can never indulge in imagination. So they couldn't watch Star Wars because there's like, well, there's noises. There's no there's spaces of vacuum. Well, they watch, these spaceships Star, would mo- they, they watch Star Wars like Neil deGrasse Tyson watches those movies <laughs> where they're like, no, nah, this wouldn't work. This wouldn't work. This is not a real thing. This would not work. They're, you wouldn't want to watch a movie with them. No. I let them watch fiction, but no, I don't actually let them no, no fiction. Only facts. Right. I'm raising my child with only facts. If you went back into the past, like if you took a film with like fantastic special, like you took Avatar, right? Yeah. If you went back 200 years with yes. a DVD player or your laptop and you've got mm-hmm. Avatar loaded up and you just stopped someone in the street and you said, hey, look, I'm from the future. Yeah. Check it out. We live with these weird cat people. <laughs> and you showed them like Avatar as if it was a documentary. Yeah. Do you think they would believe you? Do you think that their brains would be like, that is the most realistic thing? Or do you think some part of them would be uncanny value? Like, we can watch Avatar and be like, oh, yeah, that looks super real, but we're still aware that we're watching a movie. Do you think if, you know, you showed someone from 200 years ago special effects? I think it would be too far beyond their imagination that, like, well, what are you showing it on? Like a laptop. Yeah, they'd be freaked out by the laptop. (laughs) Let alone the content of the laptop. I think they'd be having trouble 200 years ago getting past the fact that you have a laptop. Well, where did the special effects decline though? Like if you showed them a stop motion, Jason the Argonauts, they're going to be like, well, that doesn't look real. I don't know how you've done that, man from the future. Well, I think that you would just need to show them something that was, what's more believable? I think like a Star Wars or something like that is more believable because they still look kind of like... Human. Human-y. Yeah. You think they would believe that? You said Star Wars is a doc. This is how we all live in the year 2019. Yeah. And they would look at that and go, oh, cool. Oh, wow. All right. It's flying houses in, yeah. the, in the sky. Flying houses and giant cats. And, and talking giant dogs. Talking cats. <laughs> well, I mean, what is that thing? What would you say Chewbacca is? It's like a dog. Is it dog? Is he a dog? I think he's a dog. I think he's a dog. He's a Wookiee. He's a Wookiee. But what yeah. a half bear, half dog. <laughs> Are they? I don't know. What is it? Well, all right. Like, what is a Wookiee? What is a Wookiee? I mean, yeah, I mean, I don't think they're like. I think they're their own species. I don't think they're based on the fact that one day, like a dog fucked a bear, and <laughs> like, a Wookiee came out. Yeah. Uh, okay, uh, Wookiee is a tall, hairy humanoid. Oh, <laughs> yeah, well, that kind of makes Just sense. A tall, hairy human, but humanoid. Humanoid. Okay. According to an interview with George Lucas, inspiration for Wookiee was his dog. Indiana, there you go. Okay. There's a little bit of trivia for Indiana you. Indiana was the name of the dog. He was the prototype for the Wookiee. He always sat beside me in the car. He was big, a big bear of a dog. So clearly oh I God. got... Dog bear. I got the... <laughs> You're right. You have seen right into the mind of George Lucas. Adult Wookiees are typically taller than most humans. They average about uh, 6 feet 11 inches. They possess enormous strength. Han Solo states that a Wookiee can pull a man's arms out of its socket if angered or slighted. And in books and comics, no humanoid species is shown to an equal, equal a Wookiee in pure strength. They'd be good at basketball, wouldn't they? Or football, AFL. 
I mean... Just like prototypical Ruckman. Yeah, but you know, it's going to be problematic if you're playing a game of AFL and you get too angry and rip someone's arms off. Wookiees have a keen sense of smell. They're covered with thick uh, coat of hair. They have good hand-eye coordination. How do they know that? Is that you just see one like with a, a cricket stump and a golf ball? Just just, like, well, there's a lot of like empty hours on the Millennium Park. <laughs> Video games. Uh, Wookiees have been shown in many diverse environments, such as Hoth Tatooine Endor, never wearing any protective clothing or showing any signs of discomfort. Wookiees have a lifespan of several hundred years. Ah, that's going to be sad for Chewbacca. What, the fact that he's going to watch, yeah, well, of natural causes? All of his friends will. I mean, I'm assuming Han and Luke are all. Spoilers, but Han's already dead. I did see him die, yeah. Uh, Spoilers, Luke. Luke dead? Did he die at the end of the last one or not? I don't know. If we talk about The Last Jedi, we're going to look at a lot of people. Best movie in the Star Wars franchise, and I'll stand by it. Anyone else who doesn't think that is an idiot. People (laughs) hate that movie. I didn't realize, but it's uh, people. The best movie in the Star Wars. I really enjoyed it. The best one by far. The only, only watchable one apart from Return of the Jedi. No, what's it called? Empire Strikes Back. Yeah, I, I agree. Like, I think it would be my second favorite <laughs> yeah. Star Wars. Empire film. Strikes Back, then The Last Jedi. Like, I'm really glad. In that order. Because <laughs> I was thinking, if we're going to do this video, this podcast. I want some good, controversial <laughs> internet. Yeah. Yeah. So Everybody? this, the heading will this be yeah. like, Will and Charlie love The Last Soy Jedi. Soy boys love The Last yeah. Jedi. Leave a comment section below. I'm sure it'll be like well adjusted. <laughs> What I like about The Last Jedi Will is all the inclusion. Yeah. I think that's the best bit. About I think that more was, inclusion in Star Wars. Please. I think that was the best bit. Yeah. And I like the fact that, you know, Luke Skywalker actually had to use his Jedi brain rather than just his magic sword to fight people. Yeah. I thought it was actually very integral to the character. I think it's probably the best Star Wars film now. I think it's better than Empire. Yeah. Well, it's got better themes and the execution was better. And yeah. I just like the fact that there was a more diverse approach to the casting yeah. it felt inclusive and I think and I like the idea that the, the force now isn't some sort of midi-chlorians oh, look at us midi-chlorians and we're in some royal family of force people and we all know each other it's much better that the force could be you know in anybody but isn't well that was the original concept right yeah so all the, I'm saying is George Lucas ruined Star Wars <laughs> And then J.J. Abrams ruined it, and the only person who hasn't ruined it. Hello everyone, Mike Hal here. During the course of this ad, Will and Charlie unintentionally mentioned the name brand of something that definitely does not belong in this advertisement for the wonderful products by the lovely people at Movement. At the end, we thought it was funny, so we left it in. Get ready for a bleep fest, in three, two. One. We're just going to take a little break from the show, Will, to talk about this week's sponsor, a Movement. Movement, the sunglass people. Yeah, Movement, the everything people. They do watches, they do accessories, but in this case, we're specifically talking about the sunglasses. Now, Will, let me ask you something. Let me uh, answer your question with a question. I'm not sure if you asked a question, but I'm going to ask you a question. <laughs> How much time do you spend in front of your digital screens? My digital screen, so my phone uh, yep. and my computer screen, does it count my TV? Anyway, a lot. I'm going to yeah. say um, over six hours a day. Yeah, most people do, Will, but between their phones, work, binging new shows, video games, and scrolling before bed, they watch a lot of digital content. That's why 
I started wearing Movement's Everscroll blue light filtering glasses. They are built to protect your eyes from blue light that is known to cause eye strains, discomfort, and poor sleeping patterns. Now, we were just talking about this off, on it, off air, but in the 90s, they hit the scene. If you were a student in the 90s and you were staying up late, you would see this infomercial for which was so memorable. You can find it on YouTube. There's a rapper called Geek who's on Venice Beach and he gets given a pair of and he is so taken by the that he does a freestyle rap that you'll never forget. And you know what? I've forgotten it. <laughs> you know what that should be? That should be compulsory in every rap show. Yeah. They should like have a random item and the rapper has to improv freestyle a bit based on some items that they just pull randomly out of a hat. That would be a good bit for a rapper. If I, if you know what, if there's a rapper out there that maybe wants to get on board with the movement brand, they spell their name like movement, you know, spells their name. Maybe they like their, their whole gimmick yeah. is that they're head to toe in movement gear. Cause that'd yeah. be cool. If you're a rapper, right? Yeah. You could be called the movement and you yeah. could uh, be sponsored by movement. And then he could randomly rap again about various movement items right so movement nvmt they just took the vowels out of it and some other words as well, and other letters as well so what if eminem took the vowels out of eminem and he just became and then well i mean wouldn't he technically just become m&ms which is already a pre-existing product <laughs> oh yeah not the biggest brand change really is it now will the benefits of wearing blue light glasses is they promote sound asleep they elevate your mood they lower your stress hormones they improve focus and mental clarity and the best thing is that movement have a bunch of different styles and fashion forward frames to choose from do you consider yourself fashion forward i am so fashion forward that sometimes i have to look over my shoulder to see what fashion is <laughs> yeah i passed fashion i'm so fashion forward it's all in my rear view and i have to look at my rear view with my just to make sure I don't catch any digital light bouncing off my eye sockets. <laughs> the best thing about these glasses, Will, is they don't look like other computer glasses you see out there. In other words, and this is not movement, this is me editorialising, you're not going to look like a bloody nerd nerds. burger when you wear bloody these. Bloody nerds in their nerdy glasses. Your eyes don't work and you're a nerd, you nerd. <laughs> they take movement's best-selling glasses frames and then they just add the blue light filtering lenses to them so you don't have to sacrifice style for functionality. In other words, Hang on, you don't so have to look like a massive nerd. Nerd! Nerd! Hang on, but you're telling me, is this a range of sunglasses, essentially, that I can wear inside at night? Yeah. You can be lying in bed on your phone, scrolling through useless stuff with your b****s on, looking totes cool, man. Oh, my God. Uh, this is such a good idea because they don't even need to sell the benefits of it for the screen time for me. All I need is an excuse to wear sunglasses inside. Yeah, it's I like mean, that The song. fact that I can... Corey Hardett, my, yeah. finally, I can live my dream to wear my sunglasses at night. That's, that's enough of a pitch as far as I'm concerned. Will wears his sunglasses at night so he can, so he can scroll through his iPhone without a headache. <laughs> <laughs> they get Corey Hart back involved. That's a good, oh, see, there's a good match for movement. Yeah, forget Eminem, Corey Hart. Just They look just like regular glasses. And unlike the geek of Venice Beach in the 90s, these ones don't have yellow tint lenses like you find on other blue, blue light blockers. You can pick from round frames, clear frames, colored frames, and movement selection is always expanding with new and traditional fashion forward styles to choose from. So the average person, they reckon on average, your average normal dude or dudette will spend about seven hours a day in front of a screen. That's a lot of hours to be taking that blue light. Well, that's like, I mean, what is it? It's nearly a third of your day. A nearly 100%. third of your day 
taking in that digital light. So these blue light glasses from Movement will help you change your habits so you can keep up with the changing technological world. And there's new tech and gadgets coming out all the time. By the time you hear this ad, there's probably something else you can stare at that's going to be pumping your eyeballs full of blue light. Yeah, blue light's coming to get you, mate. If you don't have a pair of these sunglasses, you're a fool to yourself and a burden to others. <laughs> okay. Everscroll blue light filtering glasses start at just a low, low price of $65. And whether at the office or scrolling through your phone or unwinding from a long day, Everscroll glasses have got you covered. Be, be, <laughs> Sorry, I don't know why I'm laughing Were you about to break out in a freestyle rap? I Were was. you so moved by this advertising copy that you're going to yeah. break out in a freestyle rap about I was, but my palms got sweaty and there was vomit on my sweater already. <laughs> but that has nothing to do with mum's spaghetti. Uh, yep. They give you better focus, better sleep and better style. Okay, this is the important bit. This is the call to action. So, okay. everybody concentrate. Put on your because if you don't... Sorry, not yet. Yeah. You ever scroll blue light filtering glasses? <laughs> Should stop saying this. <laughs> Competitive brand that probably went out of business in the early 2000s. Put on your Everscroll blue light filtering glasses and concentrate. Get proper focus because you can get 15% off today with free shipping and free returns by going to movement.com slash TOFOP. That's movementmvmt.com slash TOFOP. You can shop movement for Everscroll blue light, fil- blue light filtering glasses and protect your eyes. But the best part is you'll look cool doing it, man. Cool at the office, cool inside at night. You've got me. I'm in. Go to movement.com slash TOEFOP and we'll join the movement, Charlie. Yeah. Um, speaking of film franchises, do you like that segue? Uh, I went and saw Hobbs and Shaw. Oh, now. Um, do you, are you planning to see it? Yeah, but not at the movies. Right. So we can talk about it. Yeah. And, you know. Uh, <laughs> oh, sorry. Did you think I'd be worried about Hobbs spoilers. and Shaw spoilers? Well, here's Let a th- me have a guess at the plot line. Okay. Hobbs and Shaw, who previously were enemies, need to combine for some reason and get over their differences to achieve some sort of common cause. But along the way, they rub each other up the wrong way still and have their internal battles, but they need to unify at some stage. There'll be heaps of guns and tanks and things doing flying impossible things. And um, I will learn, I hope, a lesson about family and the importance of family. They're the original. The odd, they're the original odd couple. Except that they're not that odd a couple, are they? They're the original, almost the same couple. You know what it actually? What it feels like is Tango and Cash. It's very Tango and Cash because they even do this opening montage just in case you don't get the idea that these two guys are from you know uh, the the flips of, flip sides of the same coin are from different sides of the track. The opening uh, sequence is a split screen of how their day starts. And like the rock wakes up wearing his rock and roll t-shirt and drinks like a cup of eggs. And then Jason Statham is like, it's weird. They've kind of repurposed this character to be more James Bond-like. Like, I don't remember him. Look, I'm not, I'll, I'll put my hand up. I'm not a huge Fast and the Furious. What would you, what's a Fast and Furious fan called? A Faster, a Furiouser, an F and F. What are they called? There must be some name for people who love the Petrol the heads, Furious. rev heads, um, nitrous Furiosos. heads, nangs. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. They use nitrous bulbs. The family. The, na- the nang lovers. Um, the Diesel heads. Diesel heads. FFs. The walker dead. Fast friends. Oh, fast friends. <laughs> friends of fast. Would you, would you say the walker dead? The, the, dead, walk, the, the walker, walker dead. dead. <laughs> There's another clip we can put up there for all the poor walker fans. <laughs> Like, I'd like to say for the record, it was a good joke. I understand in Porto. <laughs> <laughs> so, 
they have repurposed that character, Jason Statham, who I'm sure in the original films is like a cockney assassin. Like just a rough and tumble kind. Like mm. basically the Jason Statham Jason in every Statham film. Playing Jason, Jason Statham. Statham. But now he's like wearing suits and you know that so when they're doing that montage the rock's like working out and drinking eggs and he eats like a is spoon. drinking eggs still a thing that people do to i thought it was body? really bad for you i thought that that had been dispelled because you can catch what is it the it's some kind of like disease yeah from drinking raw eggs it's yeah. really bad for you but yeah he drinks a cup of raw eggs he does a big workout and this is the other thing about the film the rock is so huge like He's enormous. I'm looking at his frame and all I'm thinking is like, what's going to happen when he gets older? Like he's invested heavily in that physique. And surely as he gets older, it's going to just be more wear and tear on his body. Like he, it is its own special effect. Like you look at the CGI Hulk in any of the Avengers films, you're like, well, wow, that's impressive. But you look at the rock's actual body and you're like, that is amazing. The size of the dude and the condition, like to be that big, and but that muscular and stuff. But then I'm thinking, how's he going to maintain it? I've got to. You've just raised the question that I. How old's the Rock? Like forty something, early forties. Yeah. So, at some stage, yeah, no one ever looks that good forever. No. So at some stage, he's not going to look as good as he looks now. And your body or is he going to like, like just keep? Oh, he'll roid up. He'll have yeah, to. Yeah, but will he die? Well, early I don't know. Arnie, Arnie, and Sylvester Stallone are still around. And they were definitely on the juice in the eighties, but I think he is. But they both look like old people now. I can't imagine the but rock I, as well, an old the person. The difference between the is, I think that a Sly and Arnie, even though they're muscle men, I think in terms of stature, are relatively like six foot. Mm. And Sly is quite short, from what I understand. But the Rock is six foot four. He's a big, like you know, Samoan dude, and he's so jacked. And you see him. In this movie, and it's, they do make jokes about it. He's so ridiculously big. Him even sitting in a little chair looks ridiculous. It's like, what happens when you get to 60, 70? Because you're still going to have that mass, but it's going to be harder to keep it all like tight in there. And you're going to have all this like, you know, strain on your back and your, and your knees. Like, is his, is his plan, I'm just going to keep lifting heavy weights forever? Or at some stage, will he transition where he's like, I just need to lean up, like get super lean. And then, you know, by the time he hits his 60s, he'll just be like a, a normal-looking six-foot-four Samoan? I mean, maybe. Because he used to not be as big as he is now. Like, this is a period of time where he's got bigger. From Even from his wrestling days, he looks bigger now than he was. He looks more there. muscular now, but yeah. I think he was big. In his wrestling days, he just had more of that natural Samoan kind of body. And then, you know, because he had the liposuction to get rid of And so he's got more of that chiseled bodybuilder physique now. But I do worry for him, Will. I'm worried about The Rock. I think The Rock's fine, mate. The Rock's doing fine. I don't think The Rock needs us to worry for him. And so, yeah. So, in the film, he's doing push-ups and David's, uh, David Statham. David Spade. <laughs> David Spade. David Spade's in it. Jason Statham's, uh, you know, being all like, I'm British and I drive a Lamborghini. No, a McLaren. <laughs> Judge McLaren. And so, they did this whole kind of setup. But... I was expecting it to be more of that tango and cash like back and forth. Back and forth. There's a little bit of that, and that's that's all the film needed to be. The film needed to be Tofop. It just needed to be Jason Statham, a comedy conversation between two old mates, two old enemies who don't really like yeah, each other. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. A comedy conversation between two old enemies with uh, flying cars. Yeah. Well, that's the other thing about it is, again, not a big Fast and Furious kind of guy, but they've in, brought this element into this film where. So I just Elba's the bad guy, 
And he seems to be superhuman, like he's been... Um, As in, like, is there a plot justification for that? Yes. Or he just has superhuman power? So the plot is that he used to work with uh, David Statham. <laughs> David Spade Statham. Jason Statham. And they were both mercenaries. And then Statham shot him, but he survived. And he's been rebuilt with all this tech. Okay. So he's like a enhanced human. He's like a... Yeah, all right. He's, like a, he's, an, he's not a cyborg. He's an enhanced human who... Like, you can see punches that are coming, like, with Terminator vision. It's like a bionic man. Bionic man. That's a perfect example. But he's also got this motorbike, which is magic. <laughs> like, the motorbike follows him around, and it can change shape, and he can jump on it. And it's just like, didn't this Fast and the Furious film start out, there are a bunch of... Street racers. Street racers who would steal <laughs> things occasionally, and now there's, like, a cyborg man with a magical motorbike. Like, I don't know. It, it is. It is a... It is a it's not a good movie. What's the so the motivation of him being the bad guy is that Statham shot him once? Yeah. No, there's a virus. There's oh, always a oh, fucking virus. virus. You know what? There wasn't, which I was I was glad is it wasn't about nanobots. <laughs> I thought for certain these kind of films, it's always a fucking nanobot. There's a nanobot thing. It's an almost a nanobot thing. There is a virus that uh, they start the film with. The I just help but tries to steal this virus to hold the world to ransom. But this woman comes in and she gets it before him and she stabs herself with the virus and she puts it in her body. Turns out this girl is Jason Statham's sister and she has injected the thing into herself to stop her just getting it, but she's got 48 hours before the virus gets released into her system and then, you know, spreads around the world. So the film becomes about how do we get the virus out of your sister, Jason Statham, and, and also stop um, Idris Alba when we don't really like each other. Well, this is very convenient, Charlie, because I imagine this gives them plenty of opportunities to ruminate on the importance of family. You keep saying that, but I... Is this not a family-related, or is that just... No, you're main, right, you're right. It is, is your main Fast and Furious, you, where they, you know, it's all it, about family. It, it, it didn't, they didn't seem to lean on it as heavily as when Vin Diesel's right. drinking his Corona, having a barbecue. Do you think that Vin Diesel has in his contract, because we've heard recently they have in their contract that they can't lose fights. Yeah, do you equal, think, equal amounts of punches. Yeah, do, do you think that he has in his contract that he's the only one who can really lean into how it's all about family? Well, The Rock has a daughter in the film. And, you know, and no, you know what? I'm so, I missed the message of the movie. You're right. It's a hundred percent about family because <laughs> the rock ends up going back to Samoa. That's one of the big plot points is that his daughter starts a film looking at a, it's a photo of young, you know, rock, you know, when they, in movies when it's like, they've obviously got an actual photo yeah. and, and they just photoshopped it on it the head. <laughs> it's like the rock's big head. Just like photoshopped onto some Sorry, other, mate. Some, we spent Samoan all the budget on the body. magic motorbike. We just have to copy and paste. It's the rock as a 42 year old. He's trying head just photoshopped onto some little Samoan kid's body. Now the plot is that the rock grew up with his big Samoan family in Samoa and his dad was a criminal and they used to steal cars in Samoa. And then the rock realized that he, you know, he didn't believe in that. So he turned his dad in. So his family exiled him. So 20 years ago, Hobbs moved to America. And became Hobbs. <laughs> like, I don't know. I mean, I Hob- don't remember which one's Hobbs and which one's Shaw. Hobbs is the rock. Hobbs is the rock. Okay. Luke Hobbs is the rock and. To be sure, to be sure. Bernard Bruce. Shaw? <laughs> no? Uh, Declan Shaw. Deckard Shaw. Oh, uh, yeah, no, he's, that his name is Deckard or something, isn't it? Yeah. There are some brilliant action movie names in this film. We talked about on that uh, live show we did with um, The Weekly Planet. My favorite ever action hero name is Jericho Kane. Hmm. This has some. Uh, I think his name's Brixton. Brixton. Oh, I gotta look it up. Yeah, look it up. Brixton. Brixton hats. 
Bruce <laughs> Hobbs and Shaw. Uh, Luke Hobbs is is the Rock. Okay, and is it Deckard Shaw? Luke Hobbs is not a very doesn't Samoan. Samoan name, I think when it? he well, this is the thing I tried to work out because he goes back to Samoa. Spoilers, mm. it's in the trailer. <laughs> he goes back. He goes back to Samoa. And it's all like traditional Samoan, like they're all wearing their traditional, well, I guess this, I'm not, they're called saris or whatever. But everyone there's got like a Samoan accent, but he's got this like clearly very American accent. And then in the story, they say, well, he left Samoa when he was 17, over, just over 20 years ago. Do you reckon that is enough time to be living in America that you would come back and sound like The Rock? Absolutely. You reckon? Yeah. Absolutely. I've, I've had friends, if you, I guess if you didn't I've had leave. friends go and live in London for two years and pick up the accent. <laughs> you don't think The Rock in 20 years? Like, no, definitely. And particularly if he's rejecting his family. Like, you know, he would be embracing this sort of new culture, this new identity. I'm away now. I'm not this guy from this crime family. I'm bloody motherfucking Luke Hobbs. Luke Hobbs, Deckard Shaw. Oh, here we go. <laughs> Brixton Law. Brixton Law? Yeah. Brixton Law. I mean, the irony too that he's a lawbreaker, isn't he? Yes. Oh, I didn't even get that. No, it's L-O-R-E, as oh, in stories. Story. Brixton story. Law. Brixton Story. Okay, sure. Okay, that was first draft one. <laughs> Brixton Story. Don't like that name. Don't like it. Brixton Law. Brixton Tale? No. <laughs> yeah, all right. So it is all about family. So The Rock has to go back to Samoa and like apologize or make up with his family, who, as it turns out, have turned their back on crime. They don't steal cars anymore. They fix them and they export them all around the world. So you get your little Fast and Furious payoff at the end because yep. they go into a warehouse and there's all these like vintage hot rods and stuff. I don't know. I've never been to Samoa if they do have like a particularly specific like vintage car scene or if that was something that they made up for Hobson Shaw. Yeah, I'm going to have a little guess. <laughs> made up for Hobson Shaw. <laughs> I just. I don't know. I'm I'm willing to be corrected. And Deckard Shaw's thing is that he's got to rescue his sister, who again he's estranged from because oh, what happened there? Something he dobbed her in, or she dobbed someone dobbed someone in. That's what it's about. It's about don't be a dobber. <laughs> <laughs> That's the message of the film. And Shaw brackets don't be a dobber. <laughs> don't be a dirty dobber. You're dobbed on. I'm a. I'm a. I'm a. Dobbers wear that. <laughs> I'm a, you're totally dobbed on. <laughs> we don't think this is going to have a cut through in the international market. Trust me. In snitches, Australia, they'll love it. Snitches get stitches. What are you talking about? Yeah, and Helen Merrin's also in it as um, What's-Her-Face's mum. And there's a couple of cameos. Hang on. Too. So is she Jason Statham's mum? No, she's The Rock's mum. <laughs> Helen Merrin playing a Samoan. Yeah. No, she. Uh, it's kind of funny because they can. I, so Vanessa Kirby, who's from The Crown, I think she plays Princess Car- uh, Anne. Who's the Queen's sister, Anne? Sure, whatever. Uh, she plays uh, uh, Jason Statham's sister, and Helen Mirren plays his mother. And clearly, because they're pl- he's the star of the movie, they're having to do his Cockney accent. So it's two classically trained, you know, probably rather trained actresses doing Jason Statham accents. It's quite <laughs> funny, like you know, Vanessa Kirby being like, "Oi." Oi, come here, come here, you know, <laughs> Helen Marin, like, I will. <laughs> but what I love about that is also that I don't sound like my parents sound. Like there's no, you know, you don't have to have the exact same accent as your parents. It's true. Right? And his sister's become a spy. Yeah. So you think it would be better for her to have a neutral. To not be like, oh, I like, got go, yeah. yeah, go, <laughs> Apples and pears, apples yeah. and pears. <laughs> you know. <laughs> 
you bleeding toe rag. So uh, tell me then. So Idris Elba. Yeah. Um, what's his motivation? What's he trying to achieve? So he is. There is a shadowy, like. Hydra type organization. Oh. They're all, they're super tech. They have like a hideout, which is all high tech and they want to take over the world. And I think they want to do that by holding to the ransom with this virus. Okay. So I just, Elba's motivation is to get the virus. He's working for this shadowy company, get the virus so they can hold the world to ransom. Yeah. A question. Yeah. And I don't, I don't know what the answer to this question is. Yeah. Um, you say Idris Elba and I say Idris Elba. Oh, you're probably right. No, I don't know if I'm right. I was, I was wondering if Idris. you had more information. No, than no. I, had. I think you're right, probably right. Now that you say that, I think I'm saying it wrong. It's Idris. I get people's names wrong all the time. You say Idris, I say Idris. Yeah. Let's call the whole thing off. I mean, it's Tom Hanks, right? <laughs> Tom, 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 Tom Hanks. Tom Hanks. I believe. Tom Hanks. <laughs> Tom Hanks. <laughs> I love the Tom Hanks. Uh, how long have we done? Uh, uh, we have done uh, 52 minutes. All right, let's get to some uh, well, letters. Just quickly, right. uh, I want to oh, Hobbs and Shaw. Hobbs and Shaw. Yeah. I, I've got a couple more questions. Okay. So Hobbs and Shaw in the uh, Fast and the Furious mythology, yeah. traditionally enemies, were yeah. they both – so originally The Rock was after – because the Fast and the Furious thing is normally whoever the antagonist is in the movies – joins the team in the next movie, yes. right? The Rock will be after them. And then yeah. in the next movie, The Rock's working with them. And the yeah. same with like Jason Statham. He's like, like he's yeah. against them. They fight for a bit them. and then they're mates. Yeah. Is there a possibility going forward from this that Idris slash Idris's Elba's <laughs> character, like is, no. without giving anything away, well, is there a chance that he could join the crew as one? Could the next movie be yes. called Hobbs and Shaw and, and Idris slash Idris? Idris Elba. <laughs> yeah. Yes, yeah. I mean, look, anything happens in these movies. I'm pretty sure characters die and come back to... Well, apart from Paul Walker. (laughs) Characters in the the franchise die and come back to life. Not in real life, unfortunately. Well, he did actually come back to life, though, in the movie because they did it with his brother and some... Creepy CGI. Creepy CGI. <laughs> Which is what I plan to do if you ever die on this show, is I'm just going to body double. I'm going to, we've got enough footage. The whole point of getting this is yeah. I get, so I get enough footage that I can deep fake you. I can just get Adam Hills to come sit in the chair and deep fake. That would be Adam, ultimate Adam Hills insult. Would be a lot harder to get them. <laughs> He's got higher standards. Um, I do love that uh, idea though, that it doesn't matter how bad you are, eventually you can be redeemed in the, Oh, the fast well, the I could have, sw- I could, I could have sworn that Jason Statham's character, when he was the bad guy, killed about two hundred people. Yeah. Definitely killed one of the Fast and Furious gang. He killed Han. He was yeah. responsible for his death. And then the opening scene of his his Fast and the Furious movie is him walking out of a hospital or a prison where he like the, it's just a tracking shot where there's just dead bodies everywhere. The suggestion being Jason Statham just laid waste to all these innocent people. But, you know, he's got a cool, cool accent. Oh, and he drives a McLaren, no, yeah. I've got a McLaren. <laughs> I killed a bunch of people. I killed 200 people. Jason Statham. But no, it's I'm more like... More. The weird thing is, people love him, why? but he cannot why? act. Why do that? Well, I don't why? know. I don't know what his appeal is. Why? It's like, is, is there only room in the world for one, one Co- Cockney movie Cockney star? Because why aren't there more Jason Stathams? Jason It's Statham. like, you know, he's, he's... He doesn't really have any... Uh, discernible well he can't seem well everyone talks about he did that uh poor feig film spy and they're like oh he's so funny in that it's like no he's just doing exactly what he does but in a in a comedy context i don't know that someone someone's worked out how to use jason statham in a funny way yeah that doesn't doesn't mean he's funny funny. (laughs) it's just like 
I just, I, I guess I get it, but it does feel like what? there's only room what in the is world. What about it? It works. It's, it, it, it's a way he's caught me. <laughs> that, that's what it is. Yes. It's a way that he doesn't, oh, I, I don't know, he's got a shaved head. Oh, I've got a shaved head. <laughs> like, he's not special. There is no, he does come through. But he has an appeal. He can he do karate. Yes, yeah, who can't, mate? I can do karate. Uh, no, you can't. Like, how do you know? Well, I just assume you can't. Yeah. Well, you can assume a lot of things, mate, but I can do karate. I'm so good at karate that, you know, with the people who are highly trained in karate, you're not allowed to do karate because it's a it's, deadly weapon. Yeah, right. <laughs> That's why you've never seen me do karate because I'm technically so good at karate that I'm not allowed to do karate. Uh, let's get to some letters before you wrap up, right. hey? This is just our regular... Do we do a regular team mail or a Patreon? What do we you start with our team mail? Okay, it's our regular sure. team mail. This is just correspondence. We're catching up. Uh, this is was sent to us June twenty first. Not too bad. It's only two months ago. <laughs> All right. Hey, Tofop. This is from Lachlan. Heading scary movies. I was babysitting my niece and nephew who are three and five, and I put on Shrek, thinking it was age appropriate. It's a kids' movies after all, but apparently the dragon was a bit too much for a three-year-old. Or my nephew might just might be a bit soft. I'm not sure. <laughs> I don't have kids and I don't want to tell my sister that I scared the shit out of her son. This made me think of movies that scared me as a kid. I like watching horror and thriller movies now, but they don't give me nightmares or lasting fear after the credits play like some movies did when I was younger. When I was about five, I saw The Witches based on the Roald Dahl book and it fucked me up. It's made for kids, but for months after, I thought witches were coming for me in the dark and at night. When I was 13, I saw Jeepers Creepers with some mates. They all laughed and joked through it, but for some reason it scared the shit out of me. Maybe I was a bit soft. <laughs> Lachlan's got some real, like, issues with his... Uh... Jeepers Creepers is terrifying. I can Im- I saw that as an adult, but I can imagine if you were a young person and you saw Jeepers Creepers, it would be terrifying. Well, if you're 13. Anyway, uh, when you guys were kids, did you see something that scared you and stuck with you? And do you like thriller horror movies now? Love the podcast, Lockie. Uh, Day of the Triffids. The really the bbc the, version with the plants yeah. taking over but isn't that just like still they're just still they don't do anything i well i, I in my imagination it just felt like uh, that creeping that creeping, creeping sort of a plant that could just grow over you and did you have nightmares strangle you yeah probably that's about the only one i can remember being particularly terrified of i think but but day of the triffids i used to have a recurring nightmare and I think it was based purely on the poster, but the Elephant Man, when that came out in 1982, because the poster is just him with that sack over his head, mm. with the, like the eye slot. And I remember as a kid, just the name of it. I didn't think I, I, I was too young to get that he was a sympathetic character. I thought he was a villain. He yeah. was a monster. That the Elephant Man was like the scary villain. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And then I remember going to the library, probably as an eight-year-old, and looking up what John Merrick looked like in real life and confirming that he was a monster. Yeah. And so I did used to have recurring nightmares of the elephant man coming for me but it was weird because in my dream he looked more like an elephant <laughs> and less like what the elephant man yeah. he actually looked more like an draw, elephant draw elephant the elephant man. man no this is baba you've <laughs> you've drawn the popular genre well this is another baba. idris idris do you say baba 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 baba, baba. baba. <laughs> that's what that's when he's doing his like <laughs> baba baba his jazz album baba 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 he's Ben Crosby baba 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 he's just downplaying his own nose what, no, what are they Sor- <laughs> like a clarinet what is it his <laughs> own nose he's trunk <laughs> he's trunk it he's just in the corner of a jazz club baba baba playing his own nose you say that to an elephant, mate, they will fucking kill you. Really? <laughs> they do not like it when you, you call you've... Your nose, nose is trunk. I love your nose. What did you say? 
Well, do they have a nose? Do they have a nose separate to the trunk? No, the nose is their trunk. Yeah, okay. So what's well, technical? No, it's not. Why? Because it's a trunk. They breathe through it. It serves the same function as a nose, but it is not a nose. Well, how they is, how is it not a nose if it's a nose? It's, it's a, a nose by any other name is still a nose. It so. smells as sweet. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> um, they it, don't have a separate nose. That's their nose. Is it the trunk? Yeah, they don't, well, they don't have a separate nose, but it's a, uh, let's look it up. Yeah. Is a trunk a nose? Yeah, exactly. But it just feels like it's a different type of nose, right? It's a super advanced nose. It's the number one search on Google, I'll tell you that much. There you go. Um, it's a fusion of the nose and the upper lip. The trunk is an elephant's most versatile tool used for breathing, smelling, touching, grasping, and playing clarinet solos. It's the most amazing part in the animal kingdom. Well, that sounds like a bit of an editorial there from some bloody elephantologist. Mark writes in, uh, what emerging tech excites you is the subject. Hey, guys. I would like to say thank you for the years of entertainment you've provided. I've recently become a Patreon subscriber. Patreon. Here, there's a link I'm putting is out it? here. Well, I will. <laughs> and there's a whole point where videoing this is to get more. doing that? Do you know yes. how to do that? Yes. <laughs> there's my gym from the office. <laughs> uh, I've recently become Patreon subscriber of yours. As a podcast helps me through my work day as a programmer, with all this new technology that's emerging, which technology ex- technology excites you the most, Mark? It's all scary. Um, what excites you? Um, I don't know. TV? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, a new TV. It'd be good fancy TV. TV? Uh, I mean, I feel like for my needs... I feel like everything's locked in. I don't really need anything else. I just no. like some of it to go faster. Uh, so, like, I'd like my stand to load better. Yeah. But I, other than that, I'm pretty happy with what I've got already. It's I just, don't. If stand could not buffer as much, yeah, that'd be fine. I don't think I want new technology. I'm, I'm struggling to, no. like, with new tech. Updates. This is a good level of technology. Like, if it stays. No more updates. Yeah. If it stays like this, but just gets better quality, then. Yeah. Yeah. No, just no. let's keep it how everything we have now, but just better. Yeah. We don't need any more new shit. Yeah, yeah. Let's draw a line on new shit. <laughs> we done. don't get it. <laughs> we're done. All right. We're going to switch to our okay. top respondents. Now, this is, the, uh, this is the message we get from our Patreon subscribers. And the reason why these guys are special is that they keep our show going. Why, Will? Because we make no money from this. Mm-hmm. We're here, though. We've invested some money into this warehouse and sign. And that sign. Uh, Patreon subscribers, keep our show running. I love that how you've really turned and barreled into the camera for that little <laughs> it's like, it's like very special. So, um, no, but the, the reason you want to send us a message on Patreon is that you have a chance to win an exclusive okay. TOEFOP sticker pack. A sticker pack. Uh, sticker sheet. It's, sheet. it's a single sheet. It's one single sheet. Fi- photos so of all nine. Or stickers. Okay. This is from Emily. Stickers. Uh, mm. <laughs> I don't know what's happened here. Oh, yeah, no, that's right. Emily, she's a previous winner. She just sent us her address. This is from Elias. Okay, hang on. He sent us a message three months ago, which I didn't get back to. I'm glad we're videoing this so that people can see what no, I'll cut I have to go through. I'll cut this bit out. <laughs> Every time. No, don't. You dare. You okay. keep this in. Elias says, hey, Will and Charlie, I were hanging out with my mate. I think you meant I was. I was hanging out with my mate the other day when we accidentally ran into my crush and her friends. Oh, okay. We went to eat dinner and I sat down to talk to her. A couple of minutes later, I found myself explaining TOEFOP to her. Oh, no. 
I got into it's ex- terrible. He's he's really panicked for <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> man. Why did you go to Tofu? Don't do that, man. Sweet talking yeah, someone. That's the sweat all he's like, I like podcasts. Do you like podcasts? It's like an internet radio show. <laughs> it's a comedy conversation <laughs> between, between two old friends. <laughs> I got into explaining Russell Crowe's band and the podcast name, etc. Okay. I suddenly kind of woke up and realized what I was... That's a real deep hole to get yourself into. It's two very obscure <laughs> topics to try to... I got into explaining Russell Crowe's band and the podcast name, etc. And suddenly I just kind of woke up and realized what I was doing. <laughs> but it was too late. She had lost her interest in me in my stupid conversation and turned her head to my mate who was charming her friends. Uh, anyway, I love the podcast. It cures depression. Does it? <laughs> Keep up does it work. Sounds depression. like it's ruining your life. By the way, I would love a sticker pack as, as I did not win the last letter. Love from Elias. And Elias is based in Norway. Oh, okay. And we always love an international Patreon subscriber, yeah. don't we, Will? Yes. Because it only costs us $13 to send things internationally. So there is a Norway <laughs> you're getting this prize. Which I believe is the joke that I made last time as well. Uh, This is from David. Hey, gents, for some reason, one of the favorite things I like to hear is when you describe the plot to some B or C grade movie from a movie's Wikipedia page. Well, you love this episode, sort of. I was recently flicking through the channels on Fox and started watching the 1989 Patrick Swayze movie Roadhouse. Not long into the movie, I opened up the Wikipedia page, uh, believing there would be some great content there. What I discovered was they made a direct-to-DVD sequel, Roadhouse 2. Then I opened its Wikipedia. Oh, my God, the plot is absurd, ridiculous, and amusing, and I think you should give it a read. Cheers, Dave. Here's my address if you think this nugget is worth a sticker book. Um, And then he wrote four weeks later, that win was the most on-brand for Two Guys, One Cup ever win. It backs to the wall for a whole game. All right, he's a Collingwood supporter. Um, Maybe we should do that. In the next episode. Okay, Roadhouse 2. Yeah, does that mean we should give it to David and not to um, our Elias, our Norwegian friend? But I feel like Elias... I feel like Elias has missed out on love. Yeah. Okay, how's this? Elias because gets the sticker pack because he needs it. And Dave, your reward is that we'll steal your idea for another episode <laughs> Well, what we could do is that if that it does turn... Because we don't know at this point whether it is going to be good content. Ah, uh, yeah. He's promised us that it's good content. Yeah. And if it indeed is good content, then we can give him the sticker pack from the next yeah, episode. Yeah, good idea. But he has the... Pr- we have to... Maybe it'll be terrible content. Maybe we'll look it up and we'll be like, this makes no sense at all. Yeah. Thank you, Dave. All right, Dave, you're on notice. You send us some stickers. <laughs> Probation. Dave is on probation. We're going to do the next episode. It's going to be about Roadhouse 2. Roadhouse 2. That's a good hook. That'll get people tuned in. Best way to support the show is on Patreon.com again. Patreon.com. <laughs> I so hope that you don't work out how to do that. No, of course I'm going to work out You'll how to do that. You'll just be waving at a blank screen. You can also go to Tofot.com to check out this and many of our other great podcasts. You can go to Facebook and Twitter. You can find us there and will. Do you have your show in Darwin? Uh, who knows? Oh, no, I know, maybe three weeks. Done by now. Done there. How was your show in Darwin? Yeah, it was great. <laughs> or on this weekend. Or who knows where in the timeline we are. But I assume it was fine and sold out. Thanks for buying tickets. <laughs> I'm Charlie Clawson. I'm Will Addison. This podcast is part of the Planet Broadcasting Network. Visit planetbroadcasting.com for more podcasts from our great mates. I mean, If you want, it's up to you.